0: This is Inside Outlands. I am your host, Nat Ryle, and joining me today is Ace Mason. What's up, man?
1: Happy New Year. How's it going?
0: Oh, yeah. We were trying to get one in before the New Year, but uh, it's uh, the first, the second.
1: Second, yeah. I've been on vacation for two weeks and it doesn't feel like vacation at all.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, And our guest today is Eric Gray. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you very much for having me and Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, if you want to give us a little introduction for for who you are and uh, why you're on the show.
2: Well, I am the Seer on Outlands, and I'm on the show because you invited me. Um, (laughs) But basically what I do is I run events, live events on the Shard. And my primary responsibility is to kill a lot of players, and my secondary uh, duty is to crash
0: the Shard many times. I've experienced both under, <laughs> your, under your tutelage there, uh, or your guidance, I guess. Uh, we did the OS four events. I know both me and Ace made a bunch of those. And uh, I, when you first started doing the events, it was those OTug-like creatures. You, you yeah. Drop them out. <laughs> so it wipe wipe everybody out.
2: <laughs> like t- to be fair, like the first event that I ever ran was um, the the big Cathedral of Saint Francis event, and. I didn't really know what those monsters were when I was, like, testing everything out to set up the event. I I had no idea they were that deadly because I was testing them out on just some NPCs that I had. I couldn't test it out on real players at the time. So when they started wiping everyone out at that event, both Expo and I had to, uh, like, jump around and remove them from the spawns while the event was happening. So, (laughs) but they have become a favorite of mine since
0: this is going to be a fun podcast uh, because it's the New Year's. I, I'll have to edit out all the fireworks that go off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is a very unique part of uh, MMOs. It's uh, it's pretty unique for Outlands even because, I mean, not a lot of live games currently have um, live events. It's kind of a, an old school MMORPG thing, primarily because it takes someone like yourself, which... They'd have to pay. Um, and I'm not sure what Outlands is paying you for anything, but, you know, like, like a EverQuest or a, a Wow, I have to pay that dev to create content and then scale it up to their user base, which is hundreds of thousands. You know, but Outlands Community, while it's big and popular for shard, it's pretty small for an MMORPG. So I, I don't know. It feels pretty manageable and, and doable, even though some of these events have massive amounts of players.
2: It, it, it can be a real challenge. Um, uh, we, we don't get paid uh, for any of this. This is something we just volunteer to do. Uh, the, the payment I get really is the satisfaction in just killing a lot of players for the most part. But it, it, is, uh, it, it is pretty challenging to run some of these events because they're, as you said, it, like scaling these events to so many players is can be really tricky. You never know how many people are going to even show up or how powerful the, the players will be. And it's, it's a lot of hoops to jump through for some of these events.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't think me and Ace are going to be critical of the events, but I think I've, ha- I've heard players be critical of them. I just, I think we're privileged to even have what, what we have and you keep getting more and more tools, which we'll get into um, to put on bigger and better and cooler events. Yeah, you know, I just I think it's a really cool thing on uh UO and it's it's cool that we get it we get them on Outlands. So let's uh if you just wanna dive into like how you joined the team and then how you how you rolled that into to doing the live events.
2: When I joined Outlands, it was basically for the same reason I think most people end up coming to a shard like Outlands is we haven't been playing Ultima for a while and then you get bit by the bug and you end up you know, finding your way to a, a UO shard. And the first thing I, that I noticed about Outlands that really stood out to me was that they had a lot of history and lore written for the shard. And that's not something you really see in almost any other free shard out there. That That's what really spoke to me as a player. And as a player, I was absolutely horrible at this game. And I was just killed all the time, and I, I sucked. Uh, but what I enjoyed was exploring the map that Owen made and finding all of the little like details in the history that was already written, like and finding like those parts of the map. And then I made the the town guides and the uh, the dungeon guides for
0: the uh, forums. And oh, Owen enjoyed them. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed them. I think uh, I think you talked about them on a past podcast. Those are awesome, by the way. Well, thank you. I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, trying to get like all those
2: screenshots for him, which was way easier to do when I just decided to go as a ghost because I couldn't stay alive long enough. Wasn't a player for very long. Uh, overall, the gameplay really wasn't for me. So I, I messaged Owen one night, like, hey, thanks, you know, thanks for everything. Uh, I really love the shards, it's just not for me. And I was, you know, ready to go my separate way. And then the next day, Owen messaged me asking me if I would be interested in coming on as a seer and, you know, basically running events and doing the kind of stuff that I do now. So that's basically how I got started in all this.
0: So, uh, hey, you're not going to play the game anymore. Come come admin for us. Yeah, basically.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then I was a counselor for a a while before they hooked me up with all the the privileges, you know, just to make sure I wasn't going to like make myself like a hundred million gold or something.
0: Yeah. So what, w- what, what level of access do you need to, to run the events? Are you're at like expo levels access, like a full moderator or um,
2: I, I have uh, GM access so I can, you know, make items and spawn monsters and stuff. Uh, I don't have expo or Owens access. Like they have the admin access, which gives them access to like player account stuff. Um, I'm, I'm just below that. I can like jail players and all that and squelch them, but I can't like ban someone.
0: Yeah, uh, we've had a, a you might know more about this. We've had a couple of uh, people that have tried to do your job, and and they seem to take the job and then you really don't put put much out. I'm trying to remember who the guy was before. before yeah, I don't. Aired. I don't you know.
1: even remember. There were a couple counselor slash seer type of people, but. It, yeah, I'm drawing a blank now too. I, I have no idea.
0: Well, I think they were a lot of talk, and then we, ne- we just never really saw their their work come to fruition. And that re- that's really not the case with you. Um, I mean, your outfit speaks for itself. We've, we've had os 4, the Black Mass. You, you mentioned the Cathedral, Urkton um, Bluffs. Look at the Cruel on and, on and we go. It's like um, tons and tons of stuff. What, what's what's driving you to to get these? events out and and run them like you do? Uh,
2: Mostly just, I I really love Ultima Online. I've been playing this game for so long, and I was part of the RP community back in Atlantic like 20 years ago. And I just remember a lot of the events that unfolded there. And I just really wanted to bring at least something like that here to Outlands. It's, uh, as you said, it's a very unique experience that's uh, particular to Ultima, I think where you have events that are run by you know a person or a small group of people behind the scenes. It really gives you a lot more um, flexibility and uh, you can make the event a lot more dynamic and uh, I think a lot more interesting as well.
1: Yeah, and on top of your UO history, we were talking a little bit before uh, the show started that you have some game design and graphic design. So I'm sure that plays a role in it, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I I did make some graphics for Owen uh, that he put into Outlands, uh, like the train set for Christmas and a bunch of little stuff. Uh, I made some new art that's going to be coming up in some future events, uh, specifically related to the Erickton Bluffs. So, yeah, like what what I do for a living is I, I make game graphics. So d- parlaying some of that into what I do here on Outlands as well.
0: Yeah what what's your what's your OSI background like when did you when did you start playing Ultima Online?
2: I started playing Ultima Online and I think around the end of 1997. So it was like really during the beginning times, back when you could like you, like you kill a player and you could take their leg and cut it up into meat and cook that meat into like jerky like really old. Um, and I played it for like I think. About 12 or so years from that point. I, I think I stopped somewhere around when the uh, the Gargoyle expansion came out shortly after that. And yeah, and then I was just up until Outlands, I didn't really play very much at all, even on free shards.
0: So you're kind of a, an OSI and then really skip all the way to getting the bug or the itch again with Outlands, huh?
2: Yeah, and that Ultima bug definitely has affected me like on a professional level like the kind of graphics that I make are very reminiscent of the perspective and style of Ultima Online a huge influence
0: there for me so uh, can you go into some of the details for for what what you do to prep and, and make these events and and then maybe how you actually run them
2: well first I, I, I got to drink a lot because it's a lot of work and it's very <laughs> painful and there's a lot of tears Um, basically I, I, like first we usually has the the staff kind of communicates back and forth, but it's, let's say mostly up to me what the events are, unless Expo specifically wants to run something or Owen specifically wants to run something. When I get an idea for an event, I usually write up a summary of it. And that's usually shared with, you know, Expo and Owen and, and or Luthius if, if there's something that I need from him, like if he, need, if I need some new NPCs or a monster or something. So a lot of time gets spent into just planning it before I even hop into the game. And once I have a, a good plan, I then do go into the game and I can work with the, uh, the XML spawner system, which is a very convoluted system. It's very, archaic and complicated, uh, it's not at all easy to use, but I've spent a lot of time learning it and I've had some great help from people, uh, learning it as well. And then I spend hours or even days, uh, setting up those XML spawners for whatever the events that are coming up.
0: So you kind of, you kind of pre-write the event using one of the, uh, the UO tools,
1: yeah, you have to, um,
2: cause there's just so many players. You can't hand spawn that many monsters or items or whatever it is that you need to do. You have to, or at least I have to rely on the XML spawner system to be able to cover like a large enough area or to give s- special abilities to a certain monster or to create like a specific amount of items that will uh, fit the number of players in the area uh, it, it's a necessary tool to use for me
0: and then do you do you run by hand in any of them like like the big boss or i'm trying to think of a past example we've had
1: like do you play do you play the character is that what you're saying like does he take yeah. over the the mob
0: uh, I've never
2: take I, – I very, very rarely take control of monsters, uh, mostly because the possessed tool is a little bit buggy sometimes, and it can sometimes crash. I, I've never controlled, like, a boss or an event monster or anything like that. At most, I might control, like, a snake or something, <laughs> and, or or like a, a, a dog, and then I'll follow a player around and, like, bark at them or something. But for the most part, it's something innocuous like that. I, I never really – possess monsters to fight players. It wouldn't really be fair to the player
0: either. What about their their dialogue? Or is, it, is that all a part of the, uh, the XML scripting?
2: Uh, some, sometimes it's XML. Sometimes uh, we have a, a special command, the say command, and we can just have anything or anyone say anything that we want without necessarily having to possess them.
0: Uh, we use that a lot. So you'll, you'll have a lot of that like pre-written, the event script, not necessarily the scripting for it to have the event take place, if that makes sense.
2: Uh, I'd say a lot of it's improv, because a lot of it's going to depend on how the players are reacting or what players are saying. So you have to kind of be quick on your feet with responses.
1: How have you seen the player partic- t- participation change since you started doing these a little more regularly?
2: I'd say that it, I mean, it, it does vary from the event to event. Some, some events are... I guess, more look forward to than others. But overall, I'd say it's a, been a very healthy showing of players across, you know, like all events. It, it's almost always more players than what I would expect to show up.
1: Yeah, I know I've missed a couple of the recent ones just because timing has been terrible. The the Urquiton Bluffs fight, I was excited about that. Couldn't get jump on. I didn't <laughs> even see the Test Center event, the historical battle. I, I completely that, missed that. That should still be there. Oh, unless, unless,
2: unless Luthius, uh, deleted it, uh, the whole point of that event, it's not like a, an actual event. It's, um, it, it's more to test out some tools for us that Luthius is making. Um, it, it's primarily to test out tools created by Luthius that allow us to have, um, greater control over individual regions on the map, as well as create new unique regions, uh, specifically for events. So we can change like, uh, how guards behave inside of uh towns or we can set up so guards show up in a dungeon or you know we, we can do all sorts of things we can turn zones into lawless zones or mountless, or you know prevent recalling in or out um all sorts of things um so i thought it would be neat to set up a uh, to set up a test for these on test center using the uh historical battle of um of andaria as the backdrop to it
1: yeah no that's that's, that's awesome cool idea. Who, who thinks of that like i mean that's I, I mean it's a compliment to you like i don't think i would have i don't think that's ever been done right like i mean i'll own outlands does a lot of things that's never been done but to wrap your test center testing up into like the lore of the game is just so cool
2: I thought it was an interesting opportunity. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, some of the things that would happen on the old uh, OSI test center when sometimes they would just go crazy and spawn tons of monsters or something. So it it definitely reminded me of that. And I I, I always thought that was fun. And this is kind of basically a no risk thing for players to engage in. They don't lose anything and they can restock instantly from the, the shelves that are right at the bank so they can just go and fight monsters, and in a roundabout way, they're testing the system for us to make sure that it's not crashing the server or anything. So it's a it's a win-win, I think.
0: Yeah, I like that, that Letheus is helping uh, code and give you more tools to to pull off even even more cool things on, on Outlands. Uh, I mean, I know you have a lot of tools now at your disposal, but I'm going to have to get in there and test this uh, this Battle of dark. I, I thought I had missed it. I didn't realize it was still up.
2: Uh, last I knew, it was still up. Uh, Luthia said he wasn't planning on uh, wiping test center for a little while, so it should still be around. I, I haven't logged in in a in a few days to check it myself.
0: What's your What's your inspiration for these events? Are you just looking for ways to to grow the lore of Outlands, or do you have do you sometimes have directives for for things you want to get across?
2: Sometimes, um, either Owen or Expo might want. To get something across specifically, and they might ask me to do it. Um, other times, I just think there's the potential for to grow the history and lore of the, of Outlands. I, I do keep a running, uh, a, a running list of events on the forums that, you know, they have all the dates and stuff uh, set to the in game date. And my, my goal, personal goal is to basically just make that as long as absolutely possible. And I think all these events really kind of add to the history and the legacy of this shard. And this is something that players can participate in and become part of that legacy.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a live, living, breathing story.
1: Yeah, and it seems like you've really used some of the player RP and stories to, to spin into events, like the Black Birthday. I think that was something VOV started when Mary Ruthless started, right? And you kind of spun that into an uh, Live event.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mary Mary Ruthless and uh, Sir Rendlesham uh, came up with it. I wasn't even aware of it. They they told me after the fact, and it was just just really awesome that they like made this story up and just ran with it and got other people involved to the point where it warranted a like a culminating event at the end. I was more than happy to set it up for them. And I, I think that event overall went well, even if it was kind of a a little bit of a shit show <laughs> as, as these <laughs> events tend to go because it's just explosions and dead bodies everywhere. But yeah, uh, the the player involvement is absolutely crucial, I think. And I'm a huge, huge fan of... Uh, making events or changing things in game based on what players do or what, or uh, certain goals that players may have achieved or not achieved uh, for, from previous events, um, which is something that we did for the Ossuary 4 campaign. I don't, if you guys remember it, there's uh, one set of events where players basically had to defend four different areas at the same time. And depending on how well they did, that was, that affected the, the next event. And in which case they ended up losing two of the locations and successfully defending two of them. So that created, um, a, a different set of monsters and different set of conditions for the final battle that came, I think like a week or two afterwards. So I, I'm a huge fan of that kind of thing.
1: So was there ever a point in that event where? If the players lost, Osfor wouldn't have opened.
2: No, it, it was always going to open because <laughs> Luthias already coded up the whole thing, and Owen, you know, mapped it. There was no way it was not going to open, <laughs> especially based on my my personal wins. Uh, no, it was always going to open in that particular case, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's always going to be the case, you know, for things in the future. Um, It it just depends on how much control I have over a particular event. The whole Ossuary 4 thing, those events are really more to get players hyped up and interested in Ossuary 4 when it did open.
0: It really worked. Uh, It gave us a lot of agency. At least it felt that way. And we were making plans for how to defend and which guild is going where. All that was great fun. And then seeing it play out differently across the uh, various events. And then you tend to do something different for each of your, your big events. You do these, uh, what do you call it? those weird things that people do where they, they figure things out on the internet and they work together and they pause it all together and they come up with the, yeah. I've never participated in any of those, even with Outlands, but um, I do love them. Uh, so I, I know a lot of players get way into it. Although it seems like so far we've cracked all of them really, really quick.
1: Oh, like the puzzles. Yeah.
0: Yeah, those
2: puzzles, yeah. Far, far quicker than I, I anticipated, for sure. Especially the last one that I did. Um, I thought it would take longer, but I also wasn't planning on you know, having like a group of players basically not get any sleep whatsoever and just like fully, full-on dedicate themselves to solving it. And it was actually a lot of fun to watch them, too, because at one point in the middle of that puzzle, one of the steps um, was basically to you, you had to become a bear, like polymorph into a bear to uh, like have the next step reveal itself. And the way that the, uh, the clue was worded, like players, not everyone necessarily understood that. So they were like dragging bears over. They were talking to bears. They were bringing honey. It, it was just a lot of fun to watch players, you know, try to figure out these, the steps to the puzzle. And more puzzles are coming. Um, there's going to be one with, the Ericton Bluff stuff. It's going to be a different kind of puzzle. And I'm not really going to say a whole lot about it. Cause I mostly want players to kind of find that naturally. And yeah, I, I definitely plan on doing more of them. Yeah, they, they take a lot of time to set up. So I want to really make them as difficult as humanly possible.
1: Cause I think that last <laughs> one dropped a little later in the day. Right. And it was solved almost like by morning.
2: I, I think it took somewhere between, yeah, it took somewhere between like eight to 12 hours. I expecting, I was expecting it to take days. Uh, I was proven very, very wrong. Um, but I, I guess I'm kind of happy to be proven wrong because it just shows just how intelligent some of the, the uh, players that we have are and how resourceful they are.
1: Yeah, I know Path had like a secret channel that they were working in and like wouldn't tell anyone. And, <laughs> and, and they, I was like, Jesus. Yeah. A freaking yeah, nervous. Pathfinders
2: came in second <laughs> on that particular puzzle, but they came in first on other ones too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think people get hung up on, on not being a part of those solutions or, or hadn't done too quick, but they're, they're really nice way to to involve the community and that, and they're also part of this live story that incorporates the action to players. So yeah, I I dig it a lot for sure.
2: I I do understand where, where uh, some of the players are coming from. Like some players didn't even get a chance to, to try to solve it. Um, but I don't really know of a way to have a puzzle of that nature be widely available to literally everyone so that everyone around the world has an equal chance at it. There's, I just don't think there's any way to do it. That, you know, someone is always going to be sleeping, you know, when that puzzle launches and they're going to be left behind, unfortunately. Um, the best I can do is just like for future puzzles is try to release them at different times of day or night so that different groups of people kind of get the jump start on them first, I suppose. But in the end, there can only be, you know, one right answer to the puzzle. And once someone figures that out, the puzzle's pretty much over.
1: Now, do you, do you have any puzzle experience or is this something new to you? Is this something you're trying to do? I know you said you did some RPG game development. Was, you know, was that something that you enjoyed doing while you were creating games or is this this all new to you
2: uh no i always enjoyed making puzzles uh even for the games that i made uh you know prior to all this so being be uh yeah bringing some of that experience to outlands has definitely been fun a a lot of fun for me Uh, i don't know how much fun it is for some of the some of the players who get frustrated (laughs) at trying to solve the puzzles and I know some of the puzzles can be kind of obtuse because to me, they might seem obvious because I, I made them, but other people, it's just, they, they have no idea. Um, oh,
0: yeah. As someone <laughs> that, run, that runs Dungeons & Dragons every Sunday, you know, I'll make a puzzle and think, oh, this is easy. You put it in front of your players and yep. you know, they, <laughs> and then beat they their just their head against stuck. it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've run into that many, many times. And I, 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 I've kind of embraced it and I, I, I feel like I can't really dumb down the puzzles too much because we do have some really, really intelligent people here and they'll solve it in a heartbeat if it's, you know, below a certain threshold of difficulty. So I have to, it's a real challenge to me to try to create a puzzle that can be solved, but will be challenging enough for even our more intelligent players.
0: Uh, can you go into this, uh, upcoming town invasion system anymore it was mentioned in the dev debrief you said it's on test center for the uh, the battle of indaria or some of it what, what kind of stuff do you plan to do with it is it and is it going to be more of like a scheduled event type of thing or, or will you use those tools for for your kind of events where they're more unique
2: so a lot of that's still up in the air. Um, a not insignificant portion of what's uh, currently being tested on, on the test center is the region manager, uh, which we, we already talked about. Um, that, that's a very large component of being able to have town invasions, uh, being able to, to make sure that the guards are not going to you know, whack all the monsters as they walk in and make sure the guards don't whack uh, you know, players for accidentally becoming gray when they loot a blue monster or something. Um, so that's a huge part of it. And then Luthius does want to add additional mechanics, um, particularly when it comes to protecting players who might, ha- um, who might be like AFK when the invasion launches, which wouldn't really be fair to them or who just log in and happen to find themselves in the middle of an invasion. So he wants to put some, uh, safeguard tools, uh, you know, to make sure that players don't just get killed for seemingly no reason, which I think is a perfectly
0: valid uh, thing to want to have. Gotta let his bank sit. Can't take that away.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Gotta protect those bank sitters. I I don't know what shape that solution's ultimately gonna take in the end. Um, Luthius was toying with the idea of some kind of opt-in mechanic. I'm not really in favor of that, but uh, whatever he comes up with, I'm sure will be good, and we'll probably get feedback on it and make any changes that are necessary for it.
0: Um, yeah, uh, opt-in might work if you, if it's announced, maybe guards start saying, hey, we spotted someone in the horizon. They'll, they'll be here in an hour and then people yeah. start opting in something like that. Yeah, I don't know.
2: My 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 one misgiving or my main misgiving about an opt-in mechanic for a town invasion is that you end up with basically a bunch of bank sitters, you know, spamming, you know, gates and stuff for their vendors while monsters are swarming all around them. It's just a weird disconnection to me. <laughs> yeah, I would prefer not an opt-in mechanic instead of you know maybe something like those players are teleported to a safe spot in the town, like at the beginning of the invasion and they can leave at any point, but I I don't know uh, what's going to happen just yet. Uh, Luthias will come up with something.
0: And is is it going to be like a a public quest type of thing from a, like a guild Wars two or, or a rift online where where it has the town invasion happens and it's really a, a quest that involves anyone in the surrounding area.
2: Um, I'm not really familiar. I, I haven't played those games, so I'm not really familiar with what you're talking about. Could you go into more detail?
0: Yeah, it's, you know, all these new MMOs, they always get their big feature, but really all all it was is uh, an event happens in an area and then any player in that area is kind of auto-assigned that quest. So it might be oh, kill, okay. kill 20 of this and kill right. the big boss and everyone that is in the area it kind of works together to chip away at it. Gotcha.
2: Um, I, there, there's no plans to my knowledge of anything like that for Outlands. Um, probably the closest thing are would be like mini spawns that might spawn in, you know, somewhere in the overworlds or something, but n- nothing quite that scripted, I, I think, would it probably be implemented.
0: Yeah, and what, what would cause these town invasions? Have you kind of thought through any of that yet like what might trigger them
2: so that that part's still up in the air i i uh, on a personal level i would prefer them not to be like on a schedule i i think a town invasion is a very rare should be a very rare thing and a special thing and i think they should be meaningful and i think you know failure or success of the players like during these invasions should have some sort of impact on the game worlds um I don't know, Luthias might disagree with that. so And ultimately, we're going to go with whatever Luthias codes. But uh, h- how I would envision it personally is they would be rare and they would be tied to a story of some kind.
0: That's your bag. That's what you like to do. That is what <laughs> I like to do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I wanted to go over the Irkton uh, Bluffs and the the fight with the Blood Rock Clan. Was that was that always supposed to be a fight with the Blood Rock Clan or was it just an event? That the Bloodrock Clan um, participated in heavily,
2: so it, they weren't really supposed to go there. They they kind of were sniffing around where they uh, didn't didn't belong. Basically, what happened was uh, the, the Bloodrock Clan uh, basically relieved a group of dead pavilions and New Militia of treasures that belonged to. The, uh, the orcs of Urichton Bluffs. And th- they should have just taken that treasure and gone home, but instead they decided to go over to Urichton Bluffs, and I couldn't let that opportunity go. So I, I one of the new monsters that Luthias has made for me for the upcoming Urichton Bluff stuff is a orc suicide bomber. So I, I had a few of those waiting for them, and they've never seen that monster before. So it was a lot of fun to watch the the orc suicide bombers run up to the Bloodrock clan and then set themselves on fire and explode and kill a bunch of them at once. Um, that's all that really happened during that event. It was a little bit impromptu. But there's going to be a lot more stuff coming from the Ericton Bluffs uh, in, in the near future. I was just waiting until after all the Christmas stuff before I really started introducing more
0: yeah I, I was curious like how, how much you you worked with them and, and where where it went off the rails <laughs> so. it, it
2: went a little off the rails but that's that's fine I think everything was uh, like nothing inappropriate happened at all they, they were just very curious about what was going on in ericton Bluffs which I, if I was a player and I didn't know you know what I know I'd be very curious too and I'd probably go stick my nose in there and, you know, they just happened to get their nose bit when they did it. But th- there's going to be a lot of new stuff coming from that area uh, very soon.
0: And The only other thing we, we really haven't talked about yet is uh, Luke of the Cruel. That's that's kind of been going on here or there. It seems to always come up when I'm – we could be ping our Discord for it usually. I'm, I'm either in the middle of something with work or, or I'm in the middle of something with Outlands where I don't want to – go over there and check it out. So I've, I've not been over there to see it yet, um, but you want to go over like what's, what's happening with that, with that event, maybe what it's leading to.
1: Yeah, I did, I did one and it was, I, same <laughs> thing. Like every, every time it pops up, I'm like, I'm in the middle of something, can't do that now.
2: Yeah. So the, the idea behind uh, the Luca of the Cruel thing, and it's kind of been hit or miss, Um, but the idea was to simply have a semi regular event that the server could, you know, the players, uh, could participate in. that was maybe like a scaled down version of the bigger ones that, that I run in person every once in a great while. Um, so there is like, you know, a unique reward with some special art that I whipped up for it. And he does drop black coins, which are going to serve a purpose in the future. Um, but for the most part i put him on a random timer that so after he's defeated it's you know between like 30 and 50 some odd hours before he comes back and it seems like he always comes back like really early in the morning when no one's around so he just kind of sits around a lot of times doing nothing and or he you know, pops up when something else is going on and everyone's busy. So it's it's been hit or miss, but he's been killed a lot of times. And I, I see how many uh, black coins and stuff that are out there now. Um, so people are doing it, but I yeah, I don't know. It, it's been kind of lukewarm overall for Luca the Cruel. And uh, I, I'm kind of thinking about other things that I could do with him to make it a little more interesting.
1: I know one time I went, it was in a terrible spot. It was just like the smallest little area you could possibly find a monster (laughs) in. And it was just a a shit show.
2: That's a huge, huge problem I run into for any of these events. Because I love Owen's map. It's so detailed. But the problem is all the spaces are so tiny and constricted. Like, there's not that many areas that are, like, big and open that are not filled with player houses, and I don't want to spawn boss monsters in the middle of, like, player housing, because that would be an even bigger shit show, I think.
1: Yeah, he loves uh, his one-tile pathways.
2: He does love his one-tile <laughs> pathways, and I give him shit about that quite often. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the there's a very limited number of spaces that I can really... Utilized for larger events such as that. So fighting them in a small area is kind of
1: inevitable. I think. Yeah. I think that, and we actually got a community response. Um, I believe the, the, the spawning of the loot on the ground was off putting to some people. Cause it was just then a scavenger show, mm-hmm. you know, who's got the best, the best ping and the fastest scavenger agent.
2: Right. Um, so, I mean, I, there's only like so many different ways you can distribute loot to people. There's, you can have it drop on the body, in which case you get people complaining about, you know, script looters and people just being able to loot super fast and getting all the good stuff right away, which is why I changed why I had uh, Luca, uh, drop, you know, everything spawns all around. At least there's a random chance that it might spawn next to you, you know?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So
2: there, so there's, uh, a lot of RNG related uh, to that kind of uh, looting. And then what some players want is they want, you know, an item directly into their backpack, which I'm not a big fan of at all because uh, that feels a little too trammel to me. But then you also just will end up with a lot of thieves hiding in the corners until the end of the event. And then they just come out and swarm people's backpacks and it'll be a, a whole different shit show. So it, it's kinda, you got to choose your poison, and for Luca the Cruel, the, having the item spawn on the ground is that particular flavor of poison.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't particularly mind it, because I happened to die right before he, <laughs> he, uh, he died. So I got back up, and I was like, well, I lost all my stuff. That's, that was a waste of time. And then I walk over, and there's a bunch of stuff all over. So I'm just like grabbing stuff as quick as I can. <laughs> I think it was one of the first times he popped. So no one really knew what was going on. So we're all just grabbing stuff, and I didn't have anything on Scavenger. I wasn't expecting it. So, and it, it was spread out it enough.
2: Yeah, I did change it up a little bit so that he will also spawn stuff ha- like about halfway through the fight as well. So instead of having people just kind of wait like until the very end and just you know not fight at all and just swoop in and collect stuff, now it's all kind of distributed throughout the fight a little more to hopefully reward people who are uh, actively engaging in it.
1: Yeah, I, I think the only yeah. other way really is the like the Ankh tokens and the the um, guild point rewards. Like that's not a bad system. Um, it I think. I don't know if those are stealable. Are they from a th- by a thief? Because they're kind of bound to you.
0: The, um, there are parts of the onk tokens that are it, but it's again like a window, right? I think.
2: So I, I can't use the onk system though, because that's like very specifically coded for the uh, the shrine system. Um, the best I could do is make the the skull tokens, which behave, I think, a little bit differently yeah. behind the scenes than the onks do.
1: Well, maybe but, Lith can whip you up like a new token system. It'll be like the the event tokens or something. Because he's got the <laughs> he's got the guild point tokens and the onk tokens, and maybe he can make you a, a event token or something.
2: <laughs> I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think having you know this one particular optional event, you know, have random loot spawning. I think that's fine.
1: I, I mean, yeah, I don't really see a problem <laughs> with it. it. It is what it is. I mean. Like I said, I got a chance to grab stuff that I probably wouldn't normally have gotten because I happened to die. And I got up. I was like, oh, free loot. Cool. Yeah, so, and and the, I mean, the
2: alternative is not having the event and not having the loot. So,
1: exactly, <laughs> exactly. So,
0: yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's why I was trying to head up when we started the podcast, because, you know, a lot of players get hung up on, oh, I shut up and my rewards weren't good enough. Or I showed up and died a whole bunch to these uh, otug-like spawns. That that event's awful. Never going, never going again. Um, or for the Luke of the cruel, I don't like how the loot is. They're bad. Not doing them again. And, and I think it's fine for these one-off things to be unique how they are, because the the living, breathing story that players participate in is a big enough win that all the downsides uh, and learn and growing pains of it. Are worth it in the end because uh, otherwise you don't you don't get this stuff um i think it's really unique and cool but what, what do you got planned for the uh for the future like what what, what are you working toward it sounds like it's it's Erics and bluffs but is it, is it anything else like a new dungeon or a new levels
2: so the ericton bluff stuff is uh it, it, it's reasonably big it's basically like it's not quite a full dungeon. It's like about a half dungeon, I'd say, or, you know, maybe two thirds of a dungeon in terms of size. Um, Owen did a great job with the, the map, and apparently the map's been around for a while and they just never utilized it. So, Owen, you know, just gave me permission to kind of go wild there. So, Luthius gave me some new monsters, and I've also re, uh, reused some old monsters and gave them new skins. And, uh, so there'll be a, a basically a new dungeon, uh, for Ericton Bluffs with a, you know, its own boss and mini boss, but it won't be tied to the main boss system. Like you won't get a token, but there will be, you know, unique rares that will only drop in Ericton Bluffs. And it's going to be a very challenging dungeon. I kind of wanted to take, you know, Osweary 4 as like a st- like beginner starter spot like in terms of difficulty and then scale it higher from there um so it's not a place you'd want to go if you're brand new and it might be better if you have like you know two or three people and there's going to be some puzzle elements inside there there's there is a unique puzzle you know incorporated into the place i'll let players discover that does have a very uh interesting and unique reward at the end of it um I spend a lot of time kind of setting it up and I just hope players will enjoy it. Uh, But that's what's coming in the immediate
1: future. And now is that a a, one-time puzzle or is that going to be like a recurring puzzle that you can do over and over?
2: So that particular puzzle is a one-time puzzle. And I, I I know I've said this before, but it should probably take a while (laughs) to to get it figured out. Um, But we'll we'll see. Uh, But that, that is a one-time puzzle and there's, but the, puzzle elements to the uh, rest of the dungeon are kind of built into the dungeon and will always be there.
0: Yeah. Is this, is this going to eventually be a dungeon players can just farm in whenever they want, or is it it kind of an event dungeon type of thing?
2: No, it's a place that players will be able to just go to whenever they feel like it.
1: Yeah. I I think the original plan and Owen can yell at me in PMs later if I'm wrong, (laughs) but he, he had an idea to release a full orc dungeon. But he just got pissed at the tile set and the lack of cool mobs and and the lack of orkiness to create a full three level dungeon. So he just kind of said, "Ah, screw it, put it on yeah, the back burner he, and never really he, <laughs> went he didn't, back to it."
2: Yeah, he didn't do three three full levels. So he did like basically two decent sized levels, which is why I say it's like two thirds of a dungeon. So it's not like an official dungeon. How like is Keep is a dungeon, or you know, Darkmire is a dungeon. But it is a place that's going to have some very challenging monsters and some very very unique loot. Um, for and players will be able to go there, uh, you know, whenever they feel like it. And it could just be another high end area for people to farm. I mean, you guys wow. should
0: make it lawless. Give it <laughs> make a, make a lawless dungeon. That would be pretty <laughs> neat. <laughs> uh, that's cool. So it's going to have its own boss too, huh?
2: Yep. Uh, Goth. Gub yep, yep is the, the boss there. He's the guy from the, history and lore page. I decided that it was time for him to show up and start doing something.
0: Uh, and, and then I the, the other question I had is, do you have any, do you have any information on how the kin masks are, are going to work? Because I was in the the dev pipeline. We've not really had any details since then. It does sound a little unique, but like uh, various role playing guilds want to. Wear a kin mask. How would it work if the orcs were to put on an orc
1: mask? I remember when Eric first started, this was a hot button topic.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I wanted kin masks right from the beginning. I always thought they were great on, you know, back on the OSI servers, they worked, you know, you put on the mask and orc mobs wouldn't attack you. And if you attacked an orc mob, it would explode and damage you and hurt you or, or kill you or something like that. Which I thought was a good trade-off. So you couldn't really abuse it to, you know, farm those monsters, you know, for free or anything. Um, Luthius has a much different vision for what the kin masks are supposed to be. He wants them to basically, you know, be purely cosmetic and I think change like what sounds your character makes. Which I, I don't know. Maybe that's enough for the, you know, the role players out there. Uh, I, I would have preferred the. A version that was more like the osi ones though
1: i think i would have too some some sort of benefit like i guess the orc fort there's no orcs in it so no you know npc orcs in it so mm-hmm. it, it's not a huge deal but well, i know when, we had when we talked about those
0: when we spawned those orcs from the the drum yeah you, you gotta fight them off yourself
1: yeah but i, I would like something i know we kind of talked in i think it was a role-playing channel that you know, you didn't want it to be a tool that PKs could just throw on when they wanted to go kill orcs or where they wanted to go PK you or whoever it was. So maybe tying it to some like quest and then you're permanently, that character is permanently tied to that, um, kin or something would have been neat.
2: Yeah. I would have definitely been in favor of like having to have some sort of like long-term commitment from like the player to that particular, you know, like faction essentially, um, I don't know what that would look like, you know, offhand, but just uh, some, some way to help prevent players from abusing it, to just circumvent monsters in order to, you know, PK or harass other players.
1: Well, there's still time to change it, so hopefully Lithius <laughs> listens. Yeah, I, I don't say, think it's high up on his to-do Ace, list. So Ace Mason in that trial said they don't like this, change it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's get to our community responses. We got a couple. Uh, First up is from Psalms. Do you have any ferret related events planned? Ferrets? Uh, Well, first we would need some ferret art. So
2: maybe he should harass (laughs) Belial or whoever to make up some ferret monsters or creatures.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> I think he spams suggestions about once a day, if not twice a day. So I don't I, I, honestly,
2: I don't know that maybe there's like an inside joke that I missed because I'm not in Discord very much, so I don't really know what the whole ferret situation is.
1: Well, I think originally there was in a Dev pipeline or something. There were supposed to be like house pets that you could have that would just oh, follow you around, yeah. like ferrets and squirrels and birds and stuff.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's still in there somewhere. I don't know how high up on the list it is, but yeah.
1: <laughs> so I think I think that's the ongoing joke there
2: but maybe he'll still get his ferret someday.
1: Um, so Kenny Nelson asked me, he wanted me to pass along, uh, how doth thou be so lame, my Lord?
2: Well, I, I doth be lame from playing the same game for 20 plus years. <laughs> I think that would make anyone <laughs> lame. Really? Thanks, Kenny.
1: Uh, let's see what else we have. Oh, this, I, I actually did like this one, Tain Dark Ben, um, just cause we kind of touched on this. Um, are there any plans for some sort of quest log, um, maybe in-game or on the forums, to indicate which events are current and which have concluded?
2: Um, I, I didn't have any plans for anything like that, I guess. Uh, I, I guess I'd need to know like, what information would be useful to have access to that players don't already have access to. Um, events are mostly a one and done thing where, you know, once the date of the event elapses, it's basically over and those are always announced, you know, on the forums and in Discord. Um, the only different one is Luca the Cruel, uh, at, at the moment. And, you know, even on the forum, he says, you know, this is a, a recurring event and that one gets broadcast. So I'm not really sure what the, Like what other information would players want, I guess.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a one (laughs) stop for newer players rather than, you know, scrolling through all the clicking through. I mean, there's a lot of cool information, so I would think they'd want to click through, but I don't know. I don't know if he's a newer player or what, but, uh,
2: well, yeah. if, if Tane's listening, yeah, he, he is welcome to shoot me a message at any point with uh, more details or suggestions about it, and I'll happily go through them.
0: Yeah, the, the, the catalog in the forums where you've done a recap of each event after the fact is a pretty good way to, to catch up, but they are kind of spread out, and you have to go back a couple of pages to get all of them.
2: But they are all listed in that one forum topic for the uh, basically the history and timeline of events.
1: That okay, that's that's true. Yeah. Okay, so they yeah, all have links
2: it. to them, or at least I try to do it. Like when I have time to update it.
1: It's and not we're, we're going to post take. we'll post links with the episode too for the history and timeline, the items and lore, and then all the events that we dug up or that net dug up, I should say. I was lazy. <laughs> 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 all
0: right, so from Archlich Oro, we have. Um, what piece of fantasy or literature do you find most inspiring for your story? So what, what do you look for to to draw from?
2: Uh, for the Outland stuff? Honestly, just Outland's history and lore for the most part. And uh, the broader history of, you know, the Ultima games and the Ultima universe and Ultima Online. Uh, it it kind of amazes me that so few people like who play Ultima Online have actually played like all the other Ultimas prior to Ultima Online, there's you know nine of them, and, and plus offshoots and other ones. So there's a lot of Ultima like history and lore that I can draw from that is basically you know canon already, which I love to do. Uh, so that's where I get most of my inspiration from.
1: So have you played a lot of those?
2: I, I've played a lot of them over the years. I think one of my. First games I played when I was, like, a little kid was, I think, was Ultima 4.
0: I I, uh, I tried. I, I, I'm actually one that can go back and play old games. Like I'm, I got, I'm a new UO player as of Outlands, so I'm willing to go to an old game and kind of meet it at its terms, but those games are really rough to get into. What I did they do was I played <laughs> Ultima Underworld, and holy shit, uh, super good. I beat the first one, and then I beat the second one. That was, like, uh, three years ago something like that so um I have played some of the old ones but that's a, a bit of a weird offshoot immersion yeah, kind of story
2: but they're I, I love them so much uh the they, they come like all of the ultimate games basically come with like books and uh I don't know if you read them like especially with the for uh the underworld series uh but they're particularly interesting and I, I don't
0: yeah, know, those, I, I those are not made by Garriet so I'm kind of like <laughs> the ones I, the old ones I liked weren't, weren't even really official. I don't know.
2: The, they're they're official, the underworld ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another from from Archil Toro is: if you weren't limited to Outlands lore, what story do you wish you could tell? If I were, or were not limited, we're not, we're not to Outlands lore. Um,
2: but still, you know, sticking with like overall Ultima. Stuff I, I'd, I'd still probably draw from Ultima. I mean, I, there's just so much to go with there. Um, you know, there's a lot you could do with Minax or Exodus or even go all the way back to Mundane or, you know, explore, uh, you know, Acalabeth. Um I, I'd probably draw something from, you know, one of the older Ultimas and kind of bring, like, some ancient evil back
0: from one of those, perhaps. Uh, he's got another one. What, what's your favorite fantasy lore monster? Uh, hmm.
2: Well, from the Ultimate games, I always loved the the Zorn. They're the weird, like, rock-eating monsters that can kind of phase through things. Um, and I always loved the Ettins from Ultima Online. I don't know why. Just the big two-headed giants were just always looked cool to me. Um, outside of Ultima... I've I always been a big fan of the Tarrasque from D&D and the uh, Gelatinous Cube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those were always my favorites. And his last one, do you play d and I haven't played it in many, many years. Um, I, I moved away years ago and you know, left my friends behind. Uh, I don't really have anyone to play with anymore, so uh, it, it's been a long, long time since I played I, I have played it, though,
1: in the past. So with the advent of, uh, what is it, the tabletop simulator, do you have plans to maybe get back into it?
2: I don't really have plans. Uh, I, I'm not really sure if I have much time these days. You know, real life is kind of a, a bugbear.
0: Yeah, I, I would suggest uh, if you ever get the itch like you got with the UO, uh, tabletop simulator or like Roll20, Fancy Grounds, are really good ways to kind of dive back into the hobby. But you do need, you know, a day, a week the credit card route for it, I guess. Uh, you you want to do the last one from a uh, script, Ace? Sure. <laughs> he's got. So, he's got a. Uh, he's got a, a bean to pick or whatever. Yeah, he's he's definitely got. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he's got. Um, so west of Shelter Islands lies a small, garden pseudo-town. Marketing ruin here labels it Sanctuary, yet the POI is named Shelter Haven. To make matters worse, the path towns of Haven and Shink sanctuary reside within avadon at a completely different location so what's the real story
2: Ooh, asking the tough questions well the uh, script was uh never supposed to connect the dots to this particular particular conspiracy that goes straight to the top that leads to x west casa there um no, uh, this is really, I think, a case of too many cooks in the kitchen. I think Luthius or Owen or whoever originally named the region, you know, they named it Sanctuary. And then I think Luthius named the, the POI Shelter Haven. And I, I honestly don't know why. Um, and I know when I was a player and I just started and I was looking at the map, it was also called Shelter Haven at the time. And I don't know if the Pathfinder's named their town Haven, you know, prior to that or afterwards. Like I, that all kind of happened before I was even here. So I have no idea what is going on with that. And we should probably just burn it down and start over again with it.
1: All right. Who, we got, <laughs> yeah. who do we got to talk to?
2: <laughs> I, I'll happily burn it down. I mean, okay. once we get those region controls, I'll burn it down, turn it into a lawless zone and. Everyone
1: can have a free-for-all. There we go. The starting <laughs> island is now a lawless zone. Have fun noobs. <laughs> all
0: right. I think that's it. So, uh, thanks Eric Gray for, for coming to the podcast and, and going over all the things you do all the hard work you put in. I mean, just from us, me and Ace, we really appreciate all the work you do. We love this stuff tremendously. We're always talking about it. Um, I, I mean, these are, uh, I feel like they're a treasure and, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see more.
2: I I really appreciate that. And uh, I, I hope, you know, all, all the other players do enjoy the content that we create as well. And thank you guys so much for having me.
1: Yeah, these these a, events are, an are an so hour. uniquely Altima Online that to have a server without them is a disservice. So we, we do appreciate everything you guys do.
2: Well, thank you very much.
0: Uh, so you can find links to our show on in, uh, in, in the outlines forums. We have a thread there. it'll um, also have a link to our Discord. And if you join our Discord, we, we post updates. And you can listen live. You catch us live. You can also leave us and our guest feedback and, and get in on these community responses. Thanks, everybody. See you all next time.
1: Good night.